And hello, Lighthouse family. Good to see you once again. We are continuing our study today in the book of First Peter, chapter one, verses three through to five. We're talking about following Jesus in a hostile world. Peter, he's an apostle of hope as he's writing to the church that's been scattered abroad in the Roman provinces on the south shore of the Black Sea. He wants to encourage believers by reminding us of our salvation, which is a living hope and an inheritance that is eternal. So what is the one thing that Christians need to understand, especially when undergoing persecution uh, from the non-Christian world and uh, especially when they're going through deep suffering? What, what is it they need to remember? Well, first of all, if, if you're going through suffering and challenge, first of all, you need a sense of assurance, I believe. I think the other aspect is you need hope, that there's some kind of perspective, uh, a reason why you're going through this. As a believer, you need to have confidence that the suffering you're going through is actually a really worth it all. Because sometimes, I think Christians, when going through tough times, finally sometimes say, you know what, I've been hanging in for so long, I give up. They lose the hope uh, of why they're going through their, this process, they're struggling. And yet, as we look at our world today, our situation's a little different, I believe, than it was in Peter's day. In our world today, we're facing increased pressure to conform to society and to abandon the faith. Our society today is not interested in what I call a biblical worldview or how to live according to biblical standards. We'd rather, they would rather that the voice of the believer and the church of Jesus Christ would be silenced. Numerically, it might look like the church of Jesus Christ today in Canada is in decline. And the answer is, that is accurate. That is true. It is in decline. And, but Peter today wants to assure the readers of this letter that he's written that to have answers for the questions when suffering comes into their lives. So in 1 Peter 1, 3-5, he speaks about the absolute security of the believer in Christ. So in other words, don't lose your hope. God has you in his hands. Even though you're going through some tough stuff, even you go through some tough times, even though you're facing challenges, God's got a hold of you. Take encouragement in that. So in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, we read these words. We read these words. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Just those three verses today as we look at God's Word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that it speaks to our situation. Father, today I pray that for those who are listening today, that you would help us to really comprehend and understand what it is you're saying to us, Father. So, Lord, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The very first word that Peter uses is the word blessed. We kind of jump sometimes when we see that one word. Okay, blessed usually means happy. But we miss the wonder of that statement, I think, that it should bring to our heart and soul, blessed be the, the Father, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have the privilege of offering blessing to God in every circumstance. When was the last time you blessed God, you praised God for what He's done? 
The Jews bless God as creator of the universe and as redeemer, their redeemer from Egypt. Christians, they bless God as father of the incarnate son and as the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. My friend, we are called to bless God our Father on a daily basis. It does your soul good to just give blessing and praise and honor to who God is. And that's exactly what Peter's starting out with. Blessed. And then, of course, he uses that phrase, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is identified as the author of an act of mercy through which we gain our heavenly inheritance. Peter here makes a complete statement regarding the deity as well as the humanity of who Jesus Christ is. He emphasizes Jesus as both Lord and Christ, which affirms his deity. He calls him our Jesus, which identifies with his humanity. The praise expresses in response to what God has done for man. Then we see read this phrase, according to his great mercy, in this uh, verse 3. And so it says God's mercy means his pity, his compassion, his kindness towards people. His mercy shows up in a believer's life specifically at salvation, and then God continues to show his mercy and forgiveness in our lives from that point on. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It says, and we go back to that verse, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's he doing? He's saying, I want you to focus on your salvation. I want you to think about how great God is. We not only bless his name, we not only talk about the humanity and the deity of Christ, but now what we're saying is he caused us. He was the one who started the whole process of salvation for you and I. Sinful men are helpless and hopeless apart from this grace and mercy that is shown to us by Jesus Christ. Man on his own cannot save himself. He thinks he can, but no, he can't. God is the cause of all who are born by the Spirit of the living God. That new birth is worked by the Holy Spirit. In Titus 3, verse 5, it says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy and His pity and His love for you and I, He wanted to save us, not because of the good things we did. This is by the washing of regeneration, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's how he does it. Only the Holy Spirit can work such a way upon a man to make him eternally alive. No human process or procedure on this earth can actually accomplish that. New life is God's business. So God who works at new birth in a person's life does so in response to faith. Faith is our passive part in believing that what God said is true. 1 John 5, 1 and verses 4 and 5 state this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, if you were to ask somebody today, are you a Christian? 
And many would answer, uh, yes, I am. If you look at all the past presidents of the United States, how many people profess to be born again? Just about everyone. The whole term born again became such a, a common phrase that born again began to refer to uh, uh, your diet. It could refer to a, a change in a man's life. It could refer to all kinds of uh, born again in terms of sports. But the tragedy is when you look at the general drift of society in North America today, you look at the morals and the ethics of a society, uh, many of these people who say they are born again are really deceived. They have no clue as to what salvation really is all about. They have never been born again. To be born again is not some obscure phrase that Billy Graham coined. It's actually found in the Gospel of John chapter 3 when Jesus had his encounter with Nicodemus and said to him, you must be born again. And so at uh, 1 Peter 1.23 it says, For you have been born again, speaking of the believer in Christ, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living, abiding Word of God. The enhanced Strong's Concordance has an interesting definition noting the metaphorical or figurative meaning of this. When it talks about being born again, sometimes we'll use the term regeneration, renewal. But Strong's really lays it out well. It says, to have one's mind changed so that he lives a new life and one conformed to the will of God. Yeah, that's, that's what it's really saying. That you've been changed by the Spirit of the living God. That you now live your life on different terms and different values. Then we pick it up in verse 4. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable. In addition to receiving a new and living hope in our lives through the birth that since we've been born into the family of God, as a result, we are heirs or we've been given an inheritance in God. As a member of God's family, we are already actually heirs, but yet the full possession of our inheritance does not take place until we go to be with Jesus. In Romans 8, 15, verse 8, uh, verses 15 through to 17, we read this. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The idea of inheritance in that day to the Jewish nation and to the Jewish believers was far more important than it is today. And we are included in Christ's last will and testament, and we share the glory with him, Scripture says. The, so he says, well, what is that inheritance that we're going to get? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Psalm 16, verse 5, the psalmist David said this, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The Westminster Confession goes on to state, the chief end of man, you go to the end of that phrase, is to enjoy him forever. Our inheritance is Jesus Christ himself. You say, well, that's to encourage me? Yeah, it is to encourage you because sometimes we place so much value on, well, what's God going to give me? What's God going to do for me? And, and, and all those aspects. But you know, as, as I spend time with people, I, I had time to chew on this one a bit, and I thought about this. You think about all the possessions you have, but if you were to take your wife, your husband, your loved one, 
and take them out of the picture totally, what would all that stuff mean to you? And you know what the answer is? Meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. I've had a chance to talk to people, and they've had all kinds of the world's goods and treasures, but without a wife or a husband to share it with, it is all but meaningless. You do not put value in things unless you can share those things with somebody vitally important. Our inheritance, my friend, is Jesus Christ and his love and his presence in our lives on a regular basis. And so for you and I, when we get to heaven's door to be able to sit in Christ's presence and enjoy fellowship with him on a daily basis is going to be far beyond anything the world has to offer. Those who seek things which are above find their crowning satisfaction in Christ who sits at the right hand of God. In Colossians 3, 1 to 3, we read these words. The Apostle Paul resonates with the same truth. He said, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Seek after God. The further truth is that we will participate in Christ's glory as an exalted man. In Colossians 3, verse 4, we go on to the next verse in that passage. It says, where Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You'll share in the glory that God gives his son. What a blessing. What an inheritance. And 1 John 3, verse 2 says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll be totally like Jesus Christ. Salvation will be complete. His presence in our hearts today, my friend, is a guarantee of our inheritance. How do I know that? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, In him, speaking of Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed or marked with the promised Holy Spirit. So when you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit now resides in your life. He indwells you, and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Then we go to verse 14. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our what? Inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We said that inheritance is also, Scripture says, imperishable. A Christian's inheritance cannot be ravished by hostile forces. Sometimes wills are sometimes successfully contested by parties not even mentioned in them. And sometimes people are deprived of inheritance because of legal technicalities in today's world. So many inheritances vanish away before they are obtained or quickly squandered before they are obtained, but not this one. This inheritance is undefiled, Scripture says. It is unfading and is kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance is in perfect condition from any spot of dirt or pollution to, to wreck it. There's nothing that can defile it. It can't be cheapened in any way. Our inheritance will not lose its quality. It's like a beautiful flower that never fades, or as do a beautiful earthly flowers. 
And so, and then it says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. What's he doing? These people, these, the, the body of Christ who is going, undergoing persecution, going through challenge, they're losing things. They're losing all their earthly possessions. Sometimes they're, and that happens sometimes. As you go to, I've heard stories of in Africa or uh, even in Kenya and different places like that where Christians have been actually taken into a church to hide from the invading militia. And then the militia sets the church on fire and burns the church to the ground. Anybody trying to escape gets shot and it seems like they've lost everything. But for the believer in Christ, our inheritance is kept for us in heaven by God. Do you have your will to be read only when you die, perhaps in a safety deposit box? Peter's saying that heaven is the safety deposit box where God is guarding our inheritance for us under his constant surveillance. Whatever you may have in this world, be little or much, you're going to have to leave it someday. You can't as the old saying, you can't take it with you. Uh, one humorous thing I think I remember about that. Somebody says, you've never saw a hearse going to a cemetery with a U-Haul behind it, have you? Nah, I haven't seen that either. So if you have no other inheritance than the earth gives, where will be your portion in death and all eternity? Then we go on to verse 5. It says, who by God's power, speaking of us, are being guarded through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The military term is how soldiers guard someone. That's what it's speaking of. The protection is continuous. It does not exempt us from pain, from difficulty, from challenge. He says he's, it's kept, he's guarding us. God watches over our salvation. He watches over our inheritance. And it's God who keeps us steadfast and faithful. But then it takes, talks about our faith does not mean that because God is the one who enacts salvation and lays it all out for us is that we remain inactive and sit back and wait for God to do everything we want. No. Rather, we are to actively seek God for His might and His wisdom as we walk through the difficulties of everyday life. And living today on this planet, in this country we call Canada, is growing increasingly more challenging to live according to the biblical teaching of Scripture. And one of the things that we will do as a church this coming Sunday is we're going to be reading about Bill C-4, which seeks to limit the church's ability to speak out as to what's right or wrong when it comes to gender equality. And the, mankind thinks they have a better idea, and our parliament thinks that they have a better idea and concept as to how they can really lay this out. And they are wrong. We will always as a church go by what does the Bible teach and stick with what Scripture teaches. So help me God. The believer's responsibility is to continually exercise his faith in life and in every circumstance. The Christian must keep on believing in Christ and do so because God is working in him. Scripture says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is work. Our faith is that which lays hold of God's power, and this power strengthens our faith, and we're therefore preserved by God as we persevere in the Christian life. Therefore, continuing the faith is not just in Christ, it's just not only nice, 
but it's absolutely necessary to attain our inheritance in heaven. In this context, persevering faith, which should be evidenced in difficult trials, in testing, and persecutions as such, because as believers in Christ, we are not exempt from those things. And what the apostle Peter is saying to these believers, he said, our salvation is secure in Christ. Keep pressing on because God's got it all together and your reward is in heaven and nobody can take that away from you. Keep your focus on heaven. Keep your focus on Jesus and don't get caught up in all the stuff that's going on in the world. Some, I believe, as believers, will persevere better than others. But all will persevere in suffering to some degree. When we respond with faith, that is a total reliance on God, that's what really keeps us secure. When I, and by faith, believe that God's word is true and that he will see me through every challenge in life. We're not to be inactive and sit back and wait for him to come through, as I said earlier, but we're to continue to work out what he is doing in our lives. Believers are kept not by their own power, but by the power of God. That is what keeps our salvation secure. Our faith in Christ has so united us to him that his power now guards and guides us every day. We're not kept by his, our strength, but rather by God's faithfulness. Uh, how long will he guard us? Scripture says very clearly, until Jesus Christ comes again. We are in his hand. It talks about God's power. Everything was certain, was, if anything was certain really in the lives of the believers, especially in the early church, the one thing that was certain was uncertainty. They didn't know what was going to happen. They never knew what a day would bring forth or what type of struggles they would be called upon to endure as they faced persecution in the early church. In the midst of uncertainty, Peter reminds them of a very secure future. Even though everything may be lost, we have our inheritance which is kept for us by God in heaven. Take courage and consolation in that. It says we are kept by the power of God through faith into salvation. So as believers, we're to, we're to persevere in holiness. And uh, how do we do that? Through the power that comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. It says then he goes on to say for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. As we look at that last phrase. It's coming to know that God has an inheritance reserved in heaven for those of us who suffer here. Can we say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. That's what God calls us to. That we have the spiritual sense of backbone that's given us to by the strengthening of the Holy Spirit of God. So when challenged and test, I continue to stand my ground, saying I believe in God's Word, I stand for the truth of Scripture, and my passion and my love is to follow Jesus Christ with all my heart, all my soul, and everything that lies within me. We'll be protected by God's power until the last time. That truth should stabilize my heart, and also in the present. So we need to hold fast to the one who's holding us fast in his power. Truly those who are saved by grace have many reasons to rejoice for what they are doing and for what they're going through because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ who will walk with them through every single circumstance they will face. 
And I would encourage you today to get your eyes off your troubles and turmoil that's going on in the world today and rejoice in the salvation that is yours through Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think when it comes to salvation that we, we're grateful for salvation, but we forget what a tremendous thing salvation is and what it's accomplished for us. And so when you learn the secret that you can rejoice when you want to, it will make the rest of life far more bearable. And uh, I close with this story. Many years ago, a team of mountain climbers began the, a dangerous descent on one of the peaks in the Swiss Alps. The first man in line lost his foothold and slipped over the ledge. The next two men were dragged after him, but the experienced climbers above braced themselves and stood firm to bear the shock. But when the rope ran its length, rather than bearing the weight, it snapped like a string. Horrified, the climbers saw all their friends fall to their deaths on the glacier 4,000 feet below. For half an hour, the other three stayed immobilized with fear. Finally, they nerved themselves to continue their perilous descent. Hours later, they arrived in Zermatt to tell their sad story. When the climbers examined the rope to find out why it failed, they were shocked. True alpine club rope has a red strand running through it. But this rope did not. It was a weak substitute. And that's taken from our daily bread. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only thing strong enough to save our souls. Don't put your confidence in anything else because it is only Jesus Christ who can save you and give you salvation that only starts when you put your faith and trust in Him, but it's complete when you go to see Him in glory. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word to our hearts today. Continue to challenge us and encourage us, Lord, even though we live in a world that's fraught with turmoil, with challenge, even with government systems that do not approve of what Scripture teaches. Help us as believers in Christ to take our stand, holding forth the Word of Life doing all to stand and being obedient to what the Word of God teaches. Father, we pray for your blessing. and We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.